Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome back to a new episode of Let's Be Real. I am your host, Irene Coates, and I am so excited to that you guys are tuning in with me on today. I'm so excited to bring you something new and something fresh. Guys, 2020 has been very interesting. 2020 have been interesting in a lot of ways. And so, so many of us are just trying to keep our heads above the waters. And um, I know I haven't been um, uploading um, some of the episodes as often as I said I would. But, you know, I'm just trying to juggle life and juggle, you know, trying to move through this 2020 year. I mean, being, you know, hit with the pandemic, hurricanes left and right, business issues, home, personal issues, just a lot of things, just a lot, a lot of things, and just trying to maintain, you know, our sanity. So guys, if you are tuning in today, thank you, thank you, thank you, and kudos to you guys for striving through this 2020. We know that this too shall pass. But I want to first start off by inviting you guys to go on my Instagram page and follow me at Let's Be Real Irene. Um, And that's on Instagram. So my Instagram um, handle is Let's Be Real Irene. And um, you can follow me on on Facebook, I'm sorry, at Irene Coates and Twitter at Irene Coates. You guys, if you are just now tuning in, um, I want to thank you guys for becoming a new family member of Let's Be Real. Yay! So I am extending an invisible hug to you guys of gratitude and appreciation. And please, please, please share the podcast with your family and friends. If you are enjoying the different topics that I bring to you guys, please, please, please share, share, share. And also, if there are different topics that you would like for me to talk about, you can email those topics to me at irenecoats at gmail.com. Okay. Also, if you would like um, to meet me personally and collaborate or maybe even, um, you know, receive some of my coaching, you can go on my website at Irene Coates International. That's Irene Coates, I-N-T-L dot com. Okay. So let's get started. I'm not going to hold you guys too long, but I'm just going to get right into it. Today, we're talking about um, the power of love. Okay, the power of love. And if you knew it, you can have a better relationship. Right. So the power of love, we're talking about just how to embrace love and God's intention of what um, love is, how it should be handled and managed and, you know, and just uh, reciprocated. Okay, so um, I want to just talk about love in the context of, in the context of the biblical 
definition, right? So love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And you guys, you know, I like to use scripture to back up a lot of things that I say. I do a lot of research on these topics. So I try to get different data from um, replica sources and so reputable sources. And I try my best to make sure that I'm putting out good sound um, information. Okay. Because the goal for let's be real is we want to be real with people. We don't, we want to be transparent. We want to make sure that we have, um, you know, good information that we can all eat off as days to come. Okay. So according to first Corinthians 13, four through seven, um, it speaks about love and what love is because so often we take out of context, um, the word love. All right. We mismanage love. And so often we say we love someone, but we, we do different things that doesn't exemplify what love is. Okay. We say things that doesn't exemplify what love is. So the Bible, the, the Bible said that God is love and God created us in his image and in his likeness. Okay. So according again to first Corinthians 13, four through seven, it says love is patient. And I want you guys to really, really listen to me as I, um, read to you what the Bible says about love. Okay. So take that in. Let's just scratch what we all thought love was or what we think love is. Let's just scratch it, okay? And let's just focus in on what the word of God has to say about love. And and if we find as we listen to this scripture that we are missing the mark, maybe we can take heed to what the scripture says and make some changes, revise some things, alter alter some things, okay? So this is not to condemn anyone. This is just so that we all can get better understanding of, of what love is. Okay. So love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. That is what love is. Now, I've read this scripture several times. I've read this scripture and I tried to find myself in this scripture in the sense that I want to see if I was operating in um, the spirit of love. You know, when it comes to my children, when it comes to my husband, my parents and loved ones, even the people I work with on my job, people I come in contact with. I, I, I try to find myself in this scripture and in a lot of these, in a lot of this definition, I do find myself. But I, I have to be honest that there are times and a lot of times I don't find myself in this scripture when it when it speaks of, you know, uh, of different things. OK, so. You know, it's important that we examine ourselves daily, you know, according to the word, it says to examine thyself daily to see if you be in the faith or of the faith. OK, so it's important that we, you know, meditate and try to find out where we are in our life and even how how do we get to where we are? Right. And so we have to exemplify love, love. The Bible says cast out, cast out all sin. 
right? Love covers a multitude of sin. Love casts out all fear. I'm sorry. So let me rephrase that. Love casts out all fear. All right. So it's important that we understand, you know, whether or not we are loving the way God called us to love. And once we identify this and make those corrections, we'll find that we are more happier um, than we were prior to understanding exactly God's way of love. See, so many times we in relationship, let's just talk about the man and the woman in a relationship. We think that, okay, if I if I um, buy you things, I love you. Right. Or if I spend time with you, I love you, right? Well, again, love in relationship have truly been misconstrued. It have been misconstrued for so long. Um, the things we watch on television, the things we see on social media have depicted love in a very vain way. Yes, it, it it has created this image that love is physical, that love is all about attraction. When in actuality, love is more internal than external. Right. So love is more internal than external. And what you see externally is because of what's what we don't see internally. Right. So if I love you. According to the word of God, then I, I have a little more patience with you um, than somebody else who doesn't love you will have. You know, um, you know, like husband and wives. OK, you know, both both persons have their. um pet peeves, right? And some may have, some women ha may have a pet peeve with their husband or their significant other kicking their shoes off at the door, right? Leaving the shoes in the middle of the floor. That's a pet peeve, right? I love you enough to be patient with you to, to, to get that, to correct that, right? I love you enough to, to ask you nicely, baby, can you please move your shoes? Or even I might even grab the shoes just to make sure, you know, there's no feuding or, you know, just no negative vibe. So instead of me just nagging him because he kicked his shoes off, I'm going to be a little more patient with this dude. I'm going to be a little more patient and I'm going to be kind in the process because I'm believing that eventually he going to get the picture and he'll start kicking his shoes off somewhere else. Right. Instead of the middle of the floor. Right. Love is not jealous. Right. The Bible says jealousy kills. Jealousy kills. Right. And so, again, when you talk about love in the in the perspective of internal internal emotions, when I read the scripture, that's what I see. You don't see jealousy on the exterior. You don't see patience on the exterior. You don't see kindness on the exterior, but you see it in the interior of the heart. Those are the things that you can't physically see with your eyes. Those are the things that are not tangible, things that you cannot touch with your hands. Right. 
So if my spouse is doing well or my significant other or my sibling or my friend or my coworker, if they are doing well because I love you, I'm going to I'm going to celebrate you. I'm not going to be jealous of the growth of the expansion, you know, or the success. I'm not going to be jealous of that. I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to rejoice with you because you are happy about the the success that you've obtained. Right? I'm not going to brag and boast about, you know, self. Because a lot of times when we boast about things is to a lot of time is to make somebody else feel smaller, right? So we um make ourselves look so big and the people around us look so small, right? So boasting, God said he, he detests a proud look. So when you boastful, you become a, you are a proud person. And being proud in this context is not a good thing. So when you're a boastful person, you become proud. And then when you, when you become so proud, you become rude. That's not love. Love is gentle and kind. Right? You 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 have to wear love like you wear a garment. It does not demand its own way. A lot of times love will require you to put yourself on the back burner and put somebody else on the front burner. A lot of times you find this in relationships where, you know, there's a lot of compromise. And when you compromise and guess what, that means you are not demanding your own way. When you are compromising, you know, that means that you are not demanding your own way. Right. That's love. Bible says love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. You can't be irritated when you are involved in a relationship with anyone, whether it's your friend, whether it's your spouse, significant other, teacher, whomever. Right? If you really love someone, you're not going to be easily irritated. Because what happens is the irritation is going to be able to it's going to be if you don't nip it in the bud, it's going it's going to fester and fester and fester and turn into something that you cannot control. Something that you will not you you will not have the power to fix on your own. It keeps no record of being wronged. So when somebody wrong you, you don't go back and say, oh, you did this to me. You did that. You don't have to keep reminding that person when you love them because you understand that when you love a person, no matter who they are. When you remind them of what you what they've done to you. You're no better than they are. 
So the same way that you make this, the same way that they made you feel, you are now making them feel that same way by reminding them of the wrong that they've done. Because God don't remind us of our wrong. When God forgives us, he says it's cast into the sea and never thought of again. It's forgotten. He said, I wash your skin, your sin that was like scarlet, as white as snow. So we can't remind those persons who wronged us. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not reminding you, but I'm not naive either. I'm not finna let you keep wrong, you know, keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm not, you know, I'll let you know what you've done. But I'm not keeping no record of how many times you've wronged me. I'm not saying, okay, now you on your 25th time of wronging me. So now guess what? I'm going to cut you loose. Now, don't get me wrong. You have to use wisdom. By no means am I saying that it's okay for somebody to wrong you. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, if you're going to still maintain a relationship with the individual that's wronging you, don't take notes. Don't remind yourself of how many times they've wronged you. If you're going to stay in that relationship, it is what it is. Forgive them and move on. Okay? I hope I'm not botching this up. (laughs) I hope this makes a lot of sense to you guys. Because so often we, you know, we, we get so caught up in ourselves and we get so caught up in this life. And we're just moving. We don't even give a thought to love. We don't even think about love in this context. You know, we don't. We say it so often. That's like calling somebody by their name. We we get so used to it to, until we don't we don't cultivate it. We don't cultivate love. Not the way God ordained us to. The love that we exuberate or exemplify is conditional love. We love you on the conditions. We, we love you with terms. But that's not love. The Bible also says, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. The Bible says that the truth shall make you free. And so we cannot wink at injustice. We cannot see something being done wrong. I don't care whether we like the person or not. If it's wrong, it's wrong. We can't we can't say, oh, that's good for them. Um, they got what they deserve. No, that's not love. That's not how love works. Love works side to side, hand in hand. It walks with it. It talks with it. It is married to truth. Love is married to fairness. Love is married to righteousness. So we can't talk out two sides of our mouth. We can't say, oh, we love God and we hate our brother. 
that it doesn't work like that. God said, how are you going to love a, 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 a God that you have not seen but hate your brother that you see? You physically see this. Per, you know without a shadow of a doubt this is your brother, be it biologically um, or spiritually or physically, whatever the case may be. You can't love something that you don't see more than you love the person that God gave you. That's that's contradiction. Cause then you don't know you you don't know what love is. If you can love God and hate your brother, then guess what you're saying? God, I really don't I really don't love you. I'm just saying I love you, but I really don't. Because where's the conviction? It says, love never gives up, never loses faith, and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That is what love is. Love is an action word. It is not just emotions. However, it is emotions. It's an experience that is contrived from our inner being. You understand? Love is bigger than us. It can be defined in so many ways depending on your own personal experience. Because the, my experience, I may say love is one thing. Your experience, you may say love is another. It can be very complex because it's, it, it is hardly understood. We don't understand love the way God intended for us to understand love. 72% of people believe in love at first sight. How many of you guys believe in love at first sight? I asked that question to some friends. I've had some to say, no, I don't believe in love at first sight. And I had others to say, yes, I believe in love at first sight. I believe that, you know, I believe. And this is me speaking. I am one of the 72% that believes in love at first sight. I do. I believe that God handpicks our soulmates for us. And oftentimes we pass our soulmate up because we have concocted an idea of what our soulmate should look like, should be like. And God said, no, that's not your soulmate, but okay. But if that's what you want, go right on ahead because I'm a free will God. I'm going to let you do what you want. I'm not going to put restraints on you. God will allow us to make our decisions. But we have to understand that whatever our decisions are, there's a repercussion behind every decision that we make. So, yes, I do believe in love at first sight. I believe it. And I also believe that when it comes to um, marriage, I believe that the man always knows his wife before the wife knows who her husband is. I believe that God reveals to that man who his wife is. I also believe that God gives that man permission to marry that woman. 
And if I had to use an example, I would use the example of um, Jacob at the well. Jacob asked God, who is his wife? Who, who, who is his wife? Was it Jacob or Joshua? I want to say Jacob. Don't quote me. But it's either Joshua or Jacob. But this is a true story in the Bible. Um, God, I don't want to say the wrong name. Let me go to my scriptures real quick. I keep my Bible on my side so I can always, you know, go back and, um, you know, reference certain scriptures. So I just do not like to give out wrong information, guys. I want to say Jacob, though. It was Jacob. It was Jacob. So anyway. I was right, Jacob. So God, so Jacob asked God, how would he know who his wife is? And God told him, the woman at the well will be your wife. Right? And I'm just getting straight to the point. I'm not taking the long way of this story. But he said that um, um, the woman at the well will be your wife. And hold on. One second, guys. Was it Joshua? No, because. Well, anyway, guys. Joshua, Jacob, I don't know which one it was, but I do know that. Um, Okay, so yeah, I know I went to sleep a second ago, guys, so just bear with me. But again, like I said, I just didn't want to give y'all um, the wrong information. Um, but anyway, as I said, you know, God told him who his wife was, right? And um, And so, you know, I just believe that. I believe that the man always knows his wife before the wife knows her husband. And so the back to um, love at first sight, it's so many stories that's, that are out there where someone met for the very first time and immediately fell in love. They knew that they were meant to be.
I believe that nothing in this life is a coincidence that all things are intentional and that some people crossed our paths for a reason. Now, we don't always handle these people um, the way that we supposed to handle them. And, you know, that's that part is on us. However, nothing in this life is a coincidence. No, we serve an intentional God, right? You know, but love is a free gift from God. Love is free. However, we spend more time trying to understand what it is and what we do with it. So we mismanage this love because of our understanding of what it is. But according to the ancient Greek, there there are different types of love. Right. Um, storage, storage. I may be pronouncing it incorrectly, but that's that represent natural affection. Right. Philia represents friendship. Eros represents sexual and erotic. Behaviors. Agape is unconditional and divine love. Ludus is flirting. Pragmatic represents committed and married love. And philosophia is self-love. So there are like six or seven different types of love, representations of love and different levels of love because we all exemplify love differently to different people, right? The love I have for my husband is not the same love I have for my mother. I love her, don't get me wrong, but it's not the same type of love. The love I have for my husband is not the same type of love that I have for my kids, right? The love I have for my friends are not the same type of love that I have for my children. So it's different types of love. Right? The love I have for a stranger is not the same love I have for my family members. So, you know, we have to understand that love is, is, I wouldn't call it complex because it's not complex. But love, it has so much depth to it. It has so much depth. And I believe that we've only scratched the surface of love. However, God is love. And if God created us in his image and in his likeness, then we have the capacity of loving the way God loves us. God has that agape love. It's that kind of love that no matter what you do, I still love you. Don't get me wrong. You're going you gonna to reap the, the consequences, but it doesn't take away from my love or take away from the love that I have for you. God 
is love. And if he created us in his image, we are love. So we should be able to share that love to others. Though there are many different kinds of love, there are many types of love, as I said, um, to experience the romantic and affectionate expression of love is what on some levels we are all seeking. And I think in in, in a lot of cases, in the type of field that I, I, I am in, I, I see, I work, and I talk to a lot of people. And they are seeking for love. They're seeking for the romantic side of love and the affectionate side of love. And why is that? Why is that? Because if I go back to the ancient Greek versions of love, then in some sense, we are all operating or experiencing most of these um, these uh, forms of love. We are. When it comes to self-love. A lot of us do that. We love ourselves. We take care of ourselves. You know, we cater to the needs of our body, our soul, our spirit, man. We, we do that. We give ourselves self-love, right? We've ex- we are experiencing the agape love. We're getting that from God. We are getting the friendship. We have the, the, the uh, filia. The friendship, we have friends. The storage, natural affection. We are receiving that. We're getting that from our parents, our children. We are getting the ludus, the flirting. When we go out and somebody finds us attractive, they flirting with us. And the eros, a lot of people are getting that. The sexual and uh, uh, erotic side of love, we're getting that. Because you don't, at this moment, point in life, you don't have to be committed to no one to get that. They giving that away free. But when it comes to uh, pragmatic, the committed married love, a lot of people are not. Um, they're not, they're not indulging in that part of love and they want it. So many people want to be married because that kind of love is, is different from them all. It's different from them all. However, that kind of love you find all the other loves wrapped up into that one, in my opinion. Because when you're married, you're getting the sexual side of love. You're getting the friendship. You're getting the, the affection. You're getting the flirting and the, and the self-love. You're getting all that because when you become, when you are married, you become one. And when that person can love you, they're loving themselves. So, in my opinion, 
when you look at the pragmatic side of love, you are getting all the other loves in that one. And I believe that's why marriage is so uh spiritual love is so spiritual and we have society have mismanaged love we have taken out of context what love is and what it represents and i believe that's why marriage is so important to god because it does represent god in the church marriage is a covenant it represents the covenant that god has made to us, to his people. And that's why when, when, it, when, when I talk about, you know, how so many people are, are seeking to find a romantic and affectionate expression of love, they're looking for that because it's, it, God expresses that. God expresses his love for us through the things that he do for us and the people he places in our life. And, you know, just the just just the things that God does for us. It expresses his love for us. Just the fact that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die upon a cross, a man who knew no sin that became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That is the epitome of love. The God that says that who will lay down their life for a friend? Nobody. You ain't laying down your life for your friend. But Jesus did. So guys, we need to study love in the eyes of God. We need to study love. And once we study love, I believe that we'll have better relationships. And I'm not talking about a romantic relationship. I'm talking about business relationship, friendship, um, uh, workmanship, where you're working with someone on a job. You know, I just feel like, you know, when we understand love in the context that God gave it, I believe that we will be better people. We will have a better society. We will live in a better world. So when we understand love from the eyes of God, man, we are getting somewhere. The, the Bible said that God is love. So love represents God. And I'm going to give y'all just a few uh, points on, um, you know, what God, what God intend, intended for us to understand about love and why he gave us love and how God exemplified love to this wicked world. Love represents God. That's number one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. According to John 3 and 16, God loved this world. This world was just withering away. And God said, you know what? I love them so much that I, I created them. 
but I love them so much. And even though they betrayed me, they fallen away. I still love what I made because I know the intentions. I know my intentions for this for this creation. So instead of me um, abolishing them, I am just going to extend the olive branch. And so he gave us his son. That's love. He gave us his son, the one who knew no sin, who was sinless, became sin. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. If that ain't love, I don't know what you call it. Romans 5 and 8 says God showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, how much more do I need to do when you was yet a sinner? God died. Jesus died for you. And how many of us? How many of us are willing to give um, our, our enemy a glass of water? How many of us are willing to even pray for the person that offended us on our job or in our family or on the street or in the stores, wherever, wherever we may have been offended at? How many of us are, are willing to even overlook that? Mm-mm. Nope. Let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. First John 4 and 17. Anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. First John 4 and 8. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of the of these is love. First Corinthians 13 and 13. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Romans 12 and 19. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Now, how do you don't see love? How do you not see love? Love is so amazing. You know what God revealed to me just recently? That how we seek after things. We seek after stuff. We work our butts off trying to obtain what we call success. But in the process of trying to obtain these things, we have so neglected the most valuable thing that God has given us. And that is our soul and our, our, our and people. Not just our loved ones, because there are some people who are more family to us than our biological family. But so often we neglect good relationships we neglect love affection time 
And when we get these things, we're still not content. When we get the houses, the cars, the money, the status, the girls, the guys, we are still so unsatisfied. And we're unsatisfied because those things are tangible. That's not the stuff that, 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 that God intended to make you happy. True happiness is found in good relationships. True happiness is found in true, pure, genuine, unadulterated, godly love. And that's why God have blessed marriages. Marriages, marriages are a wonderful thing. Marriage. Is a wonderful thing. It's all about how you perceive it. How did God intend it for married couples to share love? Let's talk about that. God intended for married couples to share love the way he loved the church. Bottom line. And I'm going to give a couple of scriptures to back up what God intended for married couples to share in love. How how, how God intended for married couples to share love. The first scripture says, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Proverbs 5 and 15. So God intended the love. That he gave to married couples to only be shared with the wife and the husband. That's a different type of love. That's not the same type of love that you get to your mother or your kids. That's a significant love that God has given to the man and the woman who became one. That's a different type of love. And he intended... For the two of them to express that love to one another, to embrace that love and to protect that love. And to only, only, only give it to the husband or the wife. He said to drink water from your own well. What that means, don't go knocking on a neighbor's door trying to ask them for water. Don't go down the street asking for water because the water the water that you asking for, you already have it in your own will. You have it in your home. Don't go outside your household. Don't go outside of your household seeking for stuff that you can find inside your own house. Don't go outside your home looking for approval when you can find that same approval inside your home. Don't go outside your home looking for attention when you can get that same attention inside your home. And if you're not getting these things, maybe you might want to share with your significant, your your spouse, what you're lacking. Because the moment you leave outside your home or the moment you drink from another well, then guess what? You open yourself up to so many other things that you did not consider when God is telling you. Don't drink up another well. Drink water from your own well. And 
If you're not putting anything to get something out, don't expect to get anything out of your will. You still have to cultivate. Because you don't want your well to dry up. So you still have a responsibility to make sure that the well is still producing water. All right. Come on, somebody. Secondly, let your wife be a fountain of blessings for you. Proverbs 5 and 18. Wow. Let your wife. Be a fountain of blessings for you. So the Bible says that God created Adam first and he saw that everything was good. But he also recognized that um, Adam didn't need to be alone. He saw that Adam needed a help me. God had given him an abundant life. And God said, all that I have given you. Is good. All that I have given you is uh, uh, bountiful. But I feel like I just believe that you will be even more happier if you were able to share it with someone. So because of that, I'm going to give you a help me. I'm going to give you someone that's going to support you, someone that's going to um, help you maintain the gift that I have given you. The blessings that I have given you. So I'm going to give you a I'm going to give you another blessing on top of all the other gazillion blessings that I have given you. Adam, I'm going to give you a woman. And not only am I going to give you a woman, but I'm going I want you to name her. I want you to name this woman. And she is she is here to assist you. She is here to help you. My God. Third, man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Genesis 2 and 24. If you want to know what God intended for you and your spouse, it's in the word, it's in the Bible. So what he is saying when the two become one, guess what? You got to disconnect your unbiblical cord from your parents, from your siblings, from your family. Everything becomes becomes solely about you and that and that wife. How y'all are able to now build your life together. How you are all able to now shape your future and to um um set yourself up for generations to come. How do you, you know, how do you create something that's a, a legacy, something that you can pass from generation to generation to generation? Where he says a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children, children, his children, and, his, and so forth and so on. And he said a wise woman stores up. A wise woman. So that's blessings. That's blessings. He said you should be a lender and not a borrower. He said, your storehouse, your cupboard shall run over. See, when you have two people on the same accord, when you have two people that's operating and walk and walking in the principles of what love is and what marriage is, you know, and how we are to orchestrate it in that union, then you can see the abundance. You will experience the abundance and you will be able to share the abundance. 
When God created man and woman, he immediately told them, he commanded them to multiply and to be fruitful. That's abundance. There's no lack. That's why he said you shall be a lender and not a borrower. Because he's saying there's no lack. He said one can chase a thousand. Two can put ten thousands, uh, tens of thousands to flight. He said a three, four cord is uneasily broken. See, when you got the man, the woman, and God, you can't break that. That's a covenant. You can't break it. So, again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Ephesians 5.33 For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Ephesians 5 and 25. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. Ephesians 5 and 23. So again, that's, that man it's the headship of that family. It's called order. And God ordained it to be that way. And so often we shift places. We shift roles. Where the woman is supposed to, the man is supposed to lead and guide. And the woman is supposed to follow and direct the children. But love, guys, is a beautiful thing. Love is a beautiful, 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 beautiful thing. And I believe what we are seeing in our society is because we lack love. We lack it. We want it, but we don't want to give it. We want to be loved, but we don't want to reciprocate love. And love is action. We have to, we have to give in order to get. He said, to whom much is given, much is required. But I, I just pray, guys, that we understand the power of love. Love is so powerful. Love is so beautiful. And we... Expel so much negativity until love is becoming almost obsolete. Wherever we go is so much negativity. So much negativity. Until it's almost impossible to see love. But we can change that. When we know better, we do better. When we know better, we do better. So, guys, that concludes this episode. I hope something I said resonated to you guys. I hope we all are walking in love. Love is a beautiful thing, and it's even more beautiful when you can experience it. When someone gives you love and you actually experience what love is, it's beautiful. And it's intended for us to have, all of us. God intended for us to have love, but he also intended for us to share love, to exemplify love because we are exemplifying who he is. 
when we operate in love. Okay, so love operating in the spirit of love doesn't don't it don't make you weak. It doesn't mean that you are vulnerable or fragile. It means that you actually are the one that have the power. You are. If all of us. We are good enough to be loved. And we are also great enough to give love. So that's it, guys. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I will continue this topic um, in depth. I just want to put something out because I haven't put anything out in a while. Um, and I've been getting a lot of um, inquiries about my next vi- my next episode. And so here you go, guys. Y'all enjoy y'all day. Please, please vote. Be blessed. Smile. Find a reason to be happy. Um, think on those things that are true, honest, pure, just, lovely, kind, and of a good report. You guys have a fantastic day. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to Let's Be Real with Irene Coates.